0: Good morning. Good morning. I uh, am sure it's not as cute to look at as those kids. <clears throat> Let me just share with you something that uh, the Father has been teaching me. Um, and, and it came about a month and a half ago. I was mowing my grass. And like when I mow my grass, I just throw on my headphones and uh, usually listen to worship music or, or something or a sermon. And at one point I just started praying and I'm like, you know, just, just praying, just talking to my dad, you know, and, uh, I asked him a question. I said, why, why am I not seeing breakthrough here? Why am I not seeing breakthrough in this area in my life? And, uh, in that moment, uh, he said, because you think, uh, like you still live in Lodabar when I've invited you into the king's table. And we're going to look at uh, Mephibosheth today. Uh, but it, it comes around and really comes to think about uh, healing our orphan mindset. Often we come and we think that um, we don't deserve or we're not worthy of sitting at the king's table. So uh, we're gonna, I'm going to quickly define what it looks like, uh, the orphan mindset, the, that way of thinking and then I want us uh, to look at some scripture, and we're actually going to have a moment in the service, too, where you have the opportunity to, to think and to pray and to ask God some questions um, so that you can process and work uh, in unison with the power of God's word and the power of him in the, as a person the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get going. So Father, we, we give this time to you. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love we thank you that you have invited us to the king's table, that you have given us the opportunity uh, to no longer live or to think um, like, like in a place like Lodabar, but you have invited us to your table to have life and life abundantly. So Father, I ask in Jesus' name, by the power of his blood that covers us, that covers this room, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak deeply into our spirits, that we would receive what it is that you would have us receive this morning. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So the orphan mindset, that's something that actually is uh, the most devastating issue of our culture. Every kind of stronghold or um, false stronghold that we have, uh, any kind of um, relationship issue really stems from... The orphan mindset, whether uh, it's slavery, divorce, abuse, murder, um, and part of a role in that is the failure of our earthly fathers, where we can't picture God as being this lovely, loving heavenly Father. Um, the orphan, the spirit, um, that way of thinking is a lot of times it comes to I'm not really worthy can I really be loved? And I want us to, to change the way we think about that. Paul says in um, Romans 12, how we have to continually be renewing our mind, renewing our mind. So that that act of renewing our mind is an action that we have to take and it, it has to start up in our heads. Like we have to actually think about. We no longer have been called... Um, to, to live in a desolate place, but we have been called to sit at God's table with him. So I want to uh, you guys to, to ask the Holy Spirit this. Am I doing this thing right? Where do I point this? I, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing up here. Something was not ejected. Uh, all right, well, As I read this, I want you to just think and ask, is this true of me? Okay? So, is this true of me? Someone with this mindset will struggle with trust. He or she may have difficulty submitting to authority, especially spiritual authority. This translates into a lack of submission as well as skepticism towards other people, as well as towards our Heavenly Father. A person with an orphan mindset continually self protects. They may mask uh, their self preservation by trying to appear as though they are helping others when really their goal is to ease a, their deep seated fear of having no worth. They may talk themselves up uh, or exaggerate and elaborate stories and accomplishments in order to feel valued. They are quickly offended and easily embarrassed. One of those things, if not all of them, we, we struggle. We struggle with the fact that we're not valued or we don't feel loved at times or we do things to protect so people actually don't know the real person that's deep down inside because we have this fear like, if they really knew who I was, would they like me? So, we set up these these walls around so people actually can't get in because we don't think that we're really worthy. So, there's one truth for today. (laughs) All right? So, if you don't come away or if you're taking notes, this is the truth that we have been invited to the king's table. We have been invited to the king's table. We're going to illustrate that by looking at 2 Samuel. I I don't have that on the the screen. So turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Um, In a brief background, uh, David is the king now when this is written. Um, We know David from Killing Goliath and uh, the Psalms and some other stories in Scripture. Uh, He had a really good friend. His name was Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son. So Saul was the king of Egypt when David was a young boy, and God had anointed David to become the next king. Saul made some poor choices and had an evil spirit that would continually torment him, but he found out when Saul would invite David into his house, right, bringing him into his house, the anointed one into his house, and to play and to sing, the tormenting, the evil presence, would actually leave. So I'm assuming that while David was doing that, he struck up a friendship with the king's son, who was Jonathan. And Jonathan and David had uh, a great friendship, and they actually made a covenant with one another, saying like, your family's my family, and vice versa. We will protect and care for one another. So they made this covenant. So that is important, because Jonathan then is referenced in this passage. So we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to read a little bit, about um, what happens in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So David is now king, and he basically goes uh, and says this, Is there still someone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for the sake of Jonathan? So David remembers the covenant that he had with Saul's son Jonathan and said... Is there somebody still here that I can show kindness to? Is there somebody in his lineage that I can be kind to? So he gets a, uh, one of Saul's uh, old servants and asks him. He said, yeah, there's, there's one guy left, basically. Um, his name is uh, Mephibosheth, and he's in Lodabar, and he has two crippled legs. So let's pick it up uh, and read, uh, starting verse 6. Uh, uh, And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, so he's the grandson of, of Saul, came to David and fell on his face to pay homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore all of the land of Saul, your father, and you, you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, your, what is your servant? What should you show regard for me, a dog such as I? So I don't know like, how you would feel, but approaching the king, especially being someone who was crippled, especially being someone who was in Lodabar, uh, which Lodabar actually means like no pasture, no communication. Okay, so there was nothing good in Lodabar. Lodabar was a place where people went, uh, where they actually couldn't farm or do anything, and they there was very little communication from Lodabar to the palace. Right, there was nothing there. So Mephibosheth enters the king's presence because the king had summoned him, and when the king summons you, you go. But I'm sure that deep down inside he was very fearful, like, uh, like. Okay, I know my grandfather was not the greatest guy and tried to kill this guy multiple times, actually warred against him. Should I really be going into his presence in the throne room? There's fear there. And then David speaks something very beautifully and says, "Um, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. He remembered the covenant that he made with his father. He said, I'm going to show you kindness. You deserve to be here. Verse 9, um, we see that Saul's servant, uh, then David kind of chats with him and says, Listen, everything that was Saul's, his land's, land, I want you to restore that. And what I want you to do now is you serve the house of Saul. You're now going to serve the house of Mephibosheth. Okay? You, you are serving him and restoring him. Uh, verse, let's look down at verse uh, 10. So he's talking to uh, Ziba, Saul's old servant. And he says this, And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring him in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, um, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. So he's telling him, listen, you guys are going to serve this guy. You're going to work the land. He's going to have bread. But guess what? He's always going to be at my table. He's always going to be at my table. Ziba agrees and does so. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of his sons. And Mephibosheth had a son. Verse 13. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table, and now uh, now he was lame in both his feet. Here is a man who did not deserve to be at the king's table. First, he was lame. Did not deserve to be at the king's table. He lived in a place that was desolate, that people did not associate the palace with Lodabar, a place of desolation, no communication. And yet David said, you are going to come and eat at my table because he remembered a covenant that he had with Jonathan, saying our families are one. We will take care of each other. And for me, when the Lord was kindly rebuking me, as I was mowing the grass, he said, Brandon, you still live and think like you live in a place that's of desolation and no communication. He said, but I have provided a way for you to constantly sit at my table and think like you're a son of God, that you are actually a son, that Jesus came so that you could sit at my table forever. So stop thinking that you can't sit at my table. Stop thinking that you're not worthy enough or that you're unloved. Stop putting walls around yourself. Stop building these things around you to self-protect. When you sit at my table, there is ultimate protection because I am the king. And for many of us, we still have this mindset where we want to go back here because we like thinking that it's okay to build these walls and to stay safe because we don't want people to know who we really are. And yet our heavenly father makes this beautiful plan to send Jesus so that we can always sit at the king's table. I want us to look at um, our action point. So our action, we must accept the invitation. Pretty simple, right? Our truth is, we've been invited to the king's table, and our action step is actually accepting the invitation. Now, we, we know invitations. We get, you know, and they say like, oh, you've been invited to this party, RSVP, yes or no. Like, I can RSVP yes to an invitation and never show up. But we have to have action. We have to actually think about and understand, like not just up here like, yeah, I know, I've been invited to God's table, but actually say, you know what? Okay, I'm a son. So in this situation, as a son of the king, how do I act? In this conversation, how do I act as I sit at this table? We have to go from uh, our action, our thoughts, uh, having conversations, a living life, doing work, in our lodabar, and actually live life when we know that we're a seated son at the table forever. There's a big difference between the way we act when we live in Lodabar, in conversation, in family, at work, than when we sit at the, the, the table. There's two different ways. Because in one way, we act like a son of the king. And we're confident in who God is, how he loves us, and that we're worthy. Over here, we self-protect. Right? Over here, we um, hide things. Over here, there's no freedom. What does uh, the Apostle Paul say in Ephesians? We're going to look at a couple of verses in Ephesians. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read 3 through 6, and then 13 and 14. This is why we've been invited to the table. And this is why we must accept the invitation. Mephibosheth had to accept the invitation. Even though he didn't, may not have felt worthy, he had to accept the invitation that you will forever eat at my table. You will forever eat the things and have the inheritance as a son. All right. Ephesians. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us having believed you are marked in him with a seal the promised holy spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are god's possessions to pray uh, to the praise of his glory what paul is illustrating here are a few things he chose you he chose you from before time existed to be adopted sons and daughters of the king. He marked you with a seal that comes in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we don't have to think like we live in Lodabar, but we can actually come over and think, oh yeah, I've been marked with this seal. I am a son. I am worthy of love. I'm okay. I can walk confidently in who God's made me, even in my blemishes, because I'm a son of the king. He has guaranteed us inheritance because of this adoption. So, what I'd like now is just for a few minutes, I want you to. to I'm going to throw some questions up there on the screen. I want you to prayerfully consider these questions, interact uh, with Scripture, with His voice, and answer these questions truthfully. Because for us to actually get out of Lodi Bar, we gotta, we got to know what still ties us here. You know, we gotta know what ties us to the, the sin that, that's in our life, to the relationships that we can't have breakthrough in. You know, to that person that that constantly is a bother. We have to know what needs to 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 change so that we can actually accept our invitation and live over here sitting at the table. So I, I want you to just take a couple minutes uh, in silence, interact with the Holy Spirit, and listen to those and uh, answer those questions honestly. I would like you to picture a situation where um, you need to change the way you think. So picture something that you're struggling with, um, and I want you to picture that, and I want you to think about that last question. What does it mean for you to come to the table? So for this particular situation? What does it mean for you to actually get up, know that you're invited, walk over and say, okay, how would a son or a daughter of the king handle the situation? So let's think about that for a minute. Lord, in this uh, moment right now, um, I ask that you would speak actually directly to us. Bring scripture to mind, bring a truth to mind, bring parts of your character to our minds um, to answer this question how do you see me? I pray that you would illuminate each and every mind in here right now in Jesus' name. How do you see me? Bring something to mind, Lord. Whatever he's saying to you, jot it down. You know, jot it down, write it down. If it was a verse, jot that verse down. We want to remember, like, when he wants to speak to us about the truth of who he is, his character... He wants us to realize that we no longer have to live in Lodabar, but we have the opportunity to move and to live and sit at the king's table. Just want to finish with a short video here. Um, so some of you know, uh, before Shan and I were married, that, was my, that's, that is my wife, not was. She is my wife. She's actually stranded in Chicago right now. Um coming back from her poppy's funeral this week, Um, we had this heart where we knew prior to marriage that we were called uh, to adoption. So uh, five years ago, we felt very strong. We needed to hop into the foster care system Uh, almost immediately. There was a girl named Destiny, a 15-year-old, who uh, lived with us for 18 months. She chose to leave our home. Devastating to our family. Uh, You know, extended family, very hard. You know, we wanted her to sit at our table forever. Uh, that story is still in process, even though she doesn't live with us. She's still invited to the table, and it's pretty cool what God's uh, doing slowly in her. But doing. Three months later, we found out find out we can't have any more kids. Um, knew our our family wasn't complete. Two days later, we got a phone call for uh, sisters, ten months old and two weeks old, and they lived with, with us uh, for eight and a half months in our home and then they were uh, placed somewhere else and adopted somewhere else. Again, devastating to our family. Uh, that's when we began to to pray. You know, at that point I'm I'm kind of bitter. You know, I was very living in the, the Loda Bar where I knew he had called me to something, but I didn't I wanted to just protect me and my family and I was like, no more. We're done foster care. I'm done this. I'm done with this. You know? Like, I wanted to protect everyone here because of the hurt and the pain. And, uh, you know, I, I told my wife that, and she's like, no, 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 we're, we're, we we got to pray. We're supposed to have a son, you know? we got to pray. And I'm like, all right, I'll pray occasionally. and But my wife really cried out. And uh, what year is it? So 15, early winter 2015 in January, there there's. Uh, the Lord woke my wife up a couple times and actually gave her names and dates for people, and significant things were happening on those dates. It was never happened to my wife before, so she's like, what is this that's happening? And uh, she woke up a, a night in February, and the Lord uh, gave her a date. And uh, it was May 19th, so... <clears throat>
1: pain of yesterday.
0: So for me, it's a constant reminder that my wife didn't live here in Lodabar. She pursued what she knew our family was supposed to be. And she prayed, and she sat at the king's table and asked him for a son. There's freedom at the king's table. depression it won't be cured when you're living in loaded bar fear anxiety addiction will not you won't see freedom or breakthrough until we get to the king's table because here's where we've been invited we've been invited to sit here we've been invited to receive blessing and inheritance because he calls us sons and daughters He calls us co-heirs with Christ. We actually get to reign with Christ. We can't do that when we think, like Lodabar, that we're unworthy or nothing will ever change. We actually say, yes, I am invited to the king's table. And the action of, will I go and actually sit there and change the way I think? Will I actually think? like I sit at the king table? Will I actually think that I am worthy enough to be loved? That I'm worthy enough when I ask uh, the, the good father for more, that he'll give me a stone? No, no, no. He'll give me more. He'll give me more of the Holy Spirit, right? He promises that. Will we live here? We're going to pray a blessing over us. and You guys are dismissed. Um, and then there is a, uh, a card in the back. It's just a little r- reminder uh, that I'd like you to, to take. You can throw it in your Bible, something, just to remind us that we've been invited to this king, the king's table. Because there's going to be moments in our day, maybe even today, where we want to think like we still live in L- Lodabar, like we're not worthy enough. You know, We're having a conversation with that person that's uh, frustrating us. Are we going to communicate them? Like we're sons and daughters, or are we going to communicate them like we're uh, in a in a low place? All right, let's pray. You, you, I'm done. Okay, all right. Father, your goodness is overwhelming. Thank you that, like, your true character never changes. Like your steadfast love is forever. Thank you for the reminder of uh, Jonathan and David and that covenant that they made and how generations were blessed because two people um, covenanted with one another. (laughs) I thank you for David remembering that covenant and saying, yep, he's crippled. He lives in this desolate place, but he's come under my table. He's going to eat there forever. I thank you that you sent Jesus so that we don't have to live in loaded bar, but we can actually sit at your table as sons and daughters. That we no longer have to to build and protect um, ourselves. That actually sitting at your table is the best protection that we could ever have. Thank you for that blessing. Thank you for that blessing. I just bless each and every mind in here, each and every spirit that we would receive today from you a changed a changed thought life. That we would think and know that we've been invited to this table. That we would interact with you and other people thinking like we sit at this table. We thank you for um, Jesus. Oh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his example. We thank you for the way that he loves us, how he intercedes for us right now. We thank you that his blood has covered us so we no longer have to live like we're in, or think like we're in Lodabar, but we can live and think and know that we are sons and daughters of the king. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for constantly reminding us that we can sit at the table. I pray, blessing, that we throughout this week would be constantly reminded by you, Holy Spirit, that we have been invited and we are able to walk and live like sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We bless you, your holy name. Amen.